0: Somebody say praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you can come just like you are? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3 and verse 17. Um, James chapter, actually we'll start verse 13. 17 is where we're going to camp out at this morning, but verse 17 is where we're going to be. And so uh, James chapter 3, as we start talking about a reboot in our relationships, We start talking about reboot and relationships. This is a good illustration. Got to reboot the old... There you go. It's it's ready for us right there. Timed out on us. And uh, so there you go. James chapter 3 verse 13 as we talk about uh, rebooting relationships. And the reason behind the series Reboot is to get a fresh start. God created a fresh start in me. And uh, last week we talked about relationships and um, only got about halfway through that and uh, one of the reasons why I believe God put this in the Bible and wants us to think about it is uh, we need to have good relationships, right? The quality of your life and my life is greatly determined by the kind of relationship we have with God and the kind of relationships we have with each other. And really, the re- and what we're really going to talk about today is how our relationship with God spills over and affects all other relationships that we have. It's the most crucial relationship. And when that one's right, the other ones will improve so much. I hope we'll see that as we go along this morning. So look at James chapter 3 and verse 13, where the Bible says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, Nobody volunteered. Good. (laughs) Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness wisdom, word meekness there means humility. It's the idea of the person who's willing to learn. None of us have it all put together, do we? But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, the wisdom that has selfish ambition and envy, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But here's the verse we're going to key on this morning. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, we want to talk about rebooting our relationships. When we get a fresh start, and a a good relationship with God that bleeds over into our other relationships, the quality of our life is going to be so much better. The quality of our witness for Christ is going to be so much better. I read recently about a guy named Delevante Johnson. Delevante Johnson went to Walmart, and uh, when he was there, he found a wallet that did not belong to him. And so uh, he he looked into the wallet, found out who it belonged to. It belonged to a lady named Dee Harkrider. Uh, she had went to uh, Walmart to buy some washer fluid, uh, put the washer fluid in the back seat of her car. Didn't realize she left her wa- her Walmart. I mean, her uh, wallet in the buggy, and so she had went to a friend's house and didn't even know that she had left her wallet. Uh, Delavante is nineteen years old, and when he saw that wallet, he said, I-, "I need to see if I can get this back to his owner." And somebody asked him, "said so Why did you do that?" He said, "Because I was raised that you don't take something that's not yours." And so he got the wallet, looked at it, tried to figure out you know, who this is, how can I get in touch with them, um, was able to find out the identity. Uh, but didn't have a phone number, so he found her on Facebook. He getting through a little little something here. Sent her a private message on Facebook. She did not respond, so he looked through her Facebook feed a little bit, found some friends that had recently commented on her Facebook status, and DM'd them, uh, sent them a private message, and they got in touch uh, with Dee and said, Do you know somebody that named Delavante Johnson? She said, Never heard of him. He said, Well, he... He gave her his phone number, said, he's trying to find you. Where are you at? He said, well, I'm not at home. I'm at my friend's house. And so he drives 20 miles out of the way to deliver D, who is on disability. He's on disability to deliver her or her wallet. She said, when he got there, um, I jumped out of my car and gave him a big hug and said, I'm going to take a picture of you and post it on Facebook. And she did. And here's the picture. Um, <laughs> they stayed in touch. Since this uh, act of kindness brought them together, uh, Delavante's gone to church uh, with uh, with Dee, and uh, she's invited him. He's going to go to church with her. Uh, next, they stayed in touch. She um, uh, Dee actually had uh, lunch with Delavante's mom. And she said, after having lunch with her, I know now why he did what he did, because of the kind of mom that he has. And so uh, they, um, they've become friends out of one random act of kindness. There's a reboot in a relationship. A friend Toad Harkrider, said, man, you're really lucky that he was the one that came along. And she said, no, God was watching out for me. And when we have a fresh start in relationships, we learn to look out for each other, don't we? And that's what we want to do. Could you could hear in that story a lot of these things that we talked about last week about what a, what a good reboot in a relationship looks like, what wisdom in relationships look like. And so we want to talk about that today because it's not wise to try to bypass the creator of the universe's instructions on relationships. He knows what relationship is. In fact, have you ever thought about the fact that God was in relationship with, from all of eternity, with Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the people try to figure out the Trinity. Well, you can't do that. You can't ask yourself. Why is there a Trinity? What does the Trinity mean to us? It means that God has always been in relationship with Himself. He knows the best kind of relationship to have. And so it's very, very wise not to bypass Him. The wise thing is to have the best relationship with God and let that spill over into the other relationships in your life. We're going to talk about some wise things and wise ways to do that today. So let's take a look at it. Last week we said that, first of all, wisdom in relationships is pure. That means I will not compromise my integrity. If I want to have great relationships, I will be a person you can trust. Not everybody is completely pure. Not everybody is completely right all the time. But we we, we look for people we can trust. And we look to be people that others can trust. Secondly, we talked about uh, wisdom as peace-loving. If I'm wise, I won't antagonize your anger. The people you live with, the people you're closest with, you know how to push your buttons, don't you? <laughs> and they know how to push your buttons, and it's really wise to stay off of those, right? So you're going to be peace-loving. Wisdom is also gentle. We need to be considerate when other people are inconsiderate. Gentleness is being willing to not be rude, not call names, and not get even. You realize when you get even with somebody, you're on the same level. So number four, let's talk about the fourth thing today. The fourth thing is wisdom is willing to yield to others. Everybody say yield to others. others. Yeah, uh, wisdom is being willing to yield to somebody else. It means that you are not stubborn or defensive or insist on having your own way. You see, all of us have something that we want to do on Saturday. All of us have some movie that we want to watch, some television program that we want to watch, some uh, activity that we want to do, some game that we want to play, uh, eat at our favorite restaurant, go on vacation where we want to go. But here's the thing. We all have things we want to do. We want our way. But what we really want more than our way is to have great relationships. And when we insist on having our way, we end up forfeiting what we really want. Now, when I say yield to others, obviously this can be abused. Obviously, we're not saying to become a doormat. We're obviously not saying uh, never say what you want or always give in to somebody else. If you're always giving in to somebody else, you're going to have resentment in your heart, and that's going to boil over at some time. So wisdom knows uh, when to yield, when to speak up, and how to be kind in the midst of these things to others. There are times in every relationship when you want to do something, and the other person wants to do something different, or they disagree with you, and we've got to be willing to yield. Here a while back, Laura uh, was going out of town. She said, do you mind if I stay a few extra days at my sister's house? Now, what I really wanted to say was, no, I want you home. (laughs) I like it when you're here. I like it when you're around, and uh, it's just not nearly as much fun as when you're not here. What I said was, I'd love for you to. And I was not lying. Why? Because I know that's good for her. I know that's healthy for her. I know when she comes home, she's going to be happier. She's going to feel better, emotionally filled. There are times when I'll say to Laura, almost every year, i go on a weekly retreat. And when, uh, when the kids were young, I knew it was really hard on her. And I would say, sweetheart, are you okay with me going out of town for four or five days to go on a retreat to kind of recharge my spiritual batteries? And she would always say, I'd love for you to. Now, I know it was hard on her. Know that that meant there was one less person in the house to help get the kids to sleep and feed them and change diapers and all that kind of stuff. And so I know it would have been a lot easier for her to say, I would really need you to stay here. And I would have, and I've understood. But here's the thing she knew it's best for me to have my spiritual batteries recharged, to be able to connect with God in a fresh way by myself and I would be a better husband, better dad when I got home. You see, willing to yield is saying what's best for the other person. Watch this, what's best for our relationship. Now, if Laura said every other week, I want to go out of town, I would say, uh-uh. <laughs> not a good idea. And, uh, and whenever I would say I want to go on a retreat, Laura would say, I would love for you to go. And I'd say, are you sure? Sure, I want you to go. She never did say, I can't wait for you to leave. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? <laughs> Look at James 3.17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, and willing to yield. The more foolish you are. The less you listen to others. It's foolish to interrupt, jump to conclusions, and not to hear the other person Now, The word willing to yield, another word for that is reasonable. It's reasonable to listen. Here's the thing. Can people, watch this. This is what it means. Can people who disagree with you reason with you? Can you listen to somebody else's side of the story? Can you listen to somebody else's opinion without criticizing, without interrupting, without jumping in? It's the opposite of saying, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Y'all understand what that means, right? So can people who disagree, people who have the other side, can, that, can you listen to them? It is not wise to criticize. If we want to be wise, don't jump and criticize other people's suggestions. It might be a stupid idea. If it's a stupid idea, just ignore it and keep going. And if you're going to be a witness for Christ, people are going to have different ideas than you do. They're going to think different things about life than you do. And for you to say or you to interrupt and criticize and jump on their case about it, you're not going to be able to win anybody to Christ much. Here's what you do. Whenever they give their little spiel about whatever it is, you can say, well, that's very interesting. And here's what I think do have to criticize them. You don't have to rebuke them. You can just say, and here's what I think, or here's what I think the Bible says, or as a follower of Jesus, this is the way that I look at it. Don't criticize somebody else because they believe differently. Just be able to share yours in a way that you're willing to li- You want them to listen to you, right? So you've got to listen to them. Fifth thing, wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. Wisdom's not only willing to yield to others. Wisdom, if you want a good relationship, your spouse, your friends, your church family, the people you go to school with, you need to be willing to have mercy and good deeds. When people fail, it's wise to show mercy. Who's the wisest person in the universe? God is, right? Who's the most merciful person in the universe? God is so the wise thing to do is to be merciful treat each other like you want God to treat you this is one of those things that Laura and I it's kind of one of our little mottos in our marriage it's one of those things that one of us said man it must have been just a year or so after we got married maybe not even that long and we were driving along and it just kind of popped out of one of our mouths and we thought that's pretty good because when you mess up and you tell God you're sorry, you don't want God to roll his eyes at you, do you? You don't want God to say, all right, one more time. (laughs) That's that's the second strike, three strikes and you're out. You don't want God to hump at you, that kind of, you know what I'm talking about. Treat each other like you want God to treat you, because here's the thing. If you love somebody, love will find a way to express itself. That's what Bob Goff said. And one of the ways you express yourself is through being merciful and doing good to other people. In Lebanon, since 2012, they've had over a million Syrian refugees flood into their country. It's raised the population of the country by a quarter. It's a country where Christians are... um, don't have a lot of freedoms, don't have a lot of things to give. It's a place where it's a real dark kind of place for Christians. And yet, a lot of the Christian churches there have tried to uh, reach out and minister to these refugees, some Christian and some Muslim that's been coming to their country. One refugee woman showed up at a church, and uh, she was Muslim. And she showed up at the church, and um, she was afraid because of how she was dressed. She was obviously Muslim. Uh, She was afraid of how the Christian church would treat her but she was in need and so she showed up there and she said it was amazing. She said people accepted me for who I was they loved me no matter what I wore or how I showed up or what my needs were. She said they treated me so differently than what I was taught by my leaders and how they would treat me. And she went on to say she said at first I thought this is not for me but after coming to church for a while I started to feel peaceful. She began to attend to the church, and she gave, ended up giving her life to Christ. And she said, um, something changed in me that I cannot describe. I feel peace. I feel the joy of worship. This is the work of our Lord Jesus. Wow." Why? The Christians didn't owe a refugee, Muslim, anything, but they were full of mercy and good deeds. God gives us what we don't deserve. This is one of the great things we love about God, right? He gives us what we don't deserve, and so that's one of the wisest things in relationships that we can do. Rick Warren said it this way. He said, wise people don't rub it in, they rub it out. Everybody say rub it out. Yeah, you don't rub it in, you rub it out. See, that person that's closest to you, they do things that bug you. They do things that get on your nerves. They do things that irritate and aggravate you. Let me give you a little tip. Let it go. (laughs) Learn to forgive. Learn to let the things that don't really matter not matter to you. You've got to learn to let it go. I heard about a guy who, in his church, there was a... Husband and wife, they were part of the uh, janitorial team, large church, and they'd been married for uh, over fifty, like sixty years or so. And so he went to the uh, went to the wife, and he said, "What's the key to the, your long mar- fifty over fifty years? What's the key to your long marriage?" And she said, "I never tried to change him." Unbeknownst to her, he didn't. He and unbeknownst to the husband, he went to the husband, and he said, "And they hadn't." you know, conferred on this or made up their stories. He went to the husband and he said, what's the key to your long marriage? And he said, I never tried to change her. You have to learn to let some things go. Listen to what 1 John 4, 18, 19 says. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first loved us. So let's talk about it in a minute. How does God love you? Real quickly, how does God love you? Well, God loves you because He accepts you unconditionally, right? He accepts you completely. Aren't you glad that God completely accepts you? I mean, Lee, uh, uh, Tina sang the song a minute ago that we come as we are through the blood of Christ. This is for Christians. It's not for everybody, okay? It's for people who've genuinely been born again. You are completely accepted in jesus you have been totally forgiven in jesus that's how god loves you through the blood of the cross he's forgiven you all of your sins he holds nothing against you god is not out to get you god is for you he settled it through what his son did for you third thing is you're loved unconditionally god doesn't say i love you if or i love you because he just says i love you and the third thing god says is you're valuable right How do you know the value of something? What makes something valuable is who owns it and how much somebody will pay for it. If I were to take these shoes today and put them on eBay and try to sell them, I probably couldn't get anything for them. LeBron can get more than I can for his shoes. (laughs) All right, His shoes may stink more than mine does, but he's still going to get more. (laughs) I don't know that, but they might. But he's still going to get more because of who they belong to and what somebody willing to pay for it. I was watching uh, Swamp People, this is the alligator hunters from South Louisiana. Uh, they still catch alligators, and they still shoot them in the head, haul them in the boat. But I just love watching it because it reminds me of where I grew up. It reminds me of where I used to fish at and things like that. And, and so I was watching them, and they had a new guy on the show, and, and uh, he specializes in old guns. And so this guy you know, says, I want this. This, this old gun, it's from the 1800s, this old black powder gun, the end of it kind of flares. It's only good, it sounds like an old-fashioned shotgun what it's like. And so this guy, supposedly really, really good at finding guns, he found one and called him on the phone and he said, I found one just like you want, it's got the engravings you want, it's in perfect shape. He wanted one that the stock broke up. But the stock, I mean, it was just like he wanted. He said, how much is it? I was thinking, fancy gun like that, three, or $4,000, $11,000. I don't think there's a gun in the world I'd pay $11,000 for. And the guy said, buy it. <laughs> okay? Well, it was worth it to him. Look, all, I, I, mean, I can't imagine a gun being worth that much, but here's the thing. I can't imagine me being worth the blood of Jesus, but God was willing to pay for it. So that's how valuable you are. So what do you do with this? How do, you, how do you live in God's love? Well, first of all, you surrender your mind and emotions every day. Here's what, you want, here's, here's what I've encouraged you to do this week. Lord, I surrender my mind and emotions to you out of the great love you have because you love me this way. I surrender my mind and emotions to you. I remember I call to mind how you love me. Call to mind those ways. And then here's the key. I offer that love to somebody else. How do you live in God's love? You surrender to that love, your mind and emotions. You remember the ways that God's loved you. You remember the mercy that God has shown you. And then you offer that love to somebody else. So here's your weekly growth suggestion, guys. And that's a little long. You want to take a picture of it? I'll have it on the church Facebook page this evening. Each day, let's surrender our mind and emotions. Let's remember how God loves and accepts us. And let's offer that love to somebody else. So here's your prayer. If you can't remember all that, just remember this prayer. Lord, fill my heart with your love and help me give it away to the very next person I meet. Remember that? Lord, fill my heart with your love and help me to give it away to the very next person I meet. Offer the same love God gave you to the next person. Well, they don't deserve it. They've sinned so many times. They've gotten on my nerves so many times. They have not sinned any more than you sinned against God, right? And so offer that love to him. Be known for the mercy That you modeled other people. That's one of the ways that we're as light and salt. We treat people way better than they expect us to treat them. Last of all, last of all, wisdom is impartial and sincere. Wisdom is impartial and sincere. The word impartial and sincere, uh, it's about the only place this particular word occurs in the New Testament. And it's the opposite of hypocrite. A hypocrite is an actor. The word for hypocrite in the Bible, uh, back in those days, they had theater, they had actors and actresses, but a lot of times they would hold up a mask, because, you know, the people had to kind of, you know, outside, and it's kind of far away, it's hard to see the facial expressions, they would hold up a mask, okay, you know, a villain mask, a good guy mask, whatever, and that word for hypocrite comes from that word stage actor, somebody with a mask on, somebody pretending to be something else, impartial and sincere says, I'm not going to disguise who I really am. I'm not going to disguise my intentions with you. I'm going to be the same no matter where I am. When I mess up, I'll confess that I've messed up. When I sin against you, I'll confess that. And I'm not going to try to use you for my benefit. Sincere means it's the opposite of being the stage actor. One guy said he was... Went to the hospital to visit his 88-year-old mom and 93-year-old dad. And he was talking to them about their long life together. Mom's 88, dad's 93. And so he asked him, man, you guys have been alive a long time, <laughs> you know. And so he asked him, what's the, uh, what's the best invention since y'all been alive? Best invention. And mom said washer and dryer. Best invention ever, washer and dryer. And he asked his dad, he said, dad, what about you? What's the best thing best thing been invented since you've been alive? And He just pointed at his wife. <laughs> yeah yeah everybody on one two three everybody say aw one, two, three." Aww. yeah he did good didn't he some of you guys might want to store that back for one day you might want to have that see here's the thing people fake it y'all know that right people fake it online in fact part of the two places people fake it the most are online and on dates Online, you're trying to look better than you ever looked. On dates, you look your best, talk your best, smell your best. <laughs> you do all that. Laugh at jokes you would never listen to. And if a guy goes to the opera, then you know he's on a date. It's the only time he's going to go to an opera. <laughs> I know that's not true for everybody, but it's true for me. If that's true for you, say amen. <laughs> there you go. To... Uh, Psalm 12:2 says, Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. You see, we want to be truth-tellers. We want to be trustworthy. We want to be people who are real, who are real and authentic. You see, I want to be a good representative of Jesus Christ. I really do. I want to be a good witness for Christ. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good friend. I don't want to be a spiritual hero. That pedestal's too far to fall off of. It hurts too much when you fall off. It hurts other people too much when you fall off. Uh, there's no real hero. Jesus is the hero. No real experts to Christian life. Jesus, the only, he's the only one that did it right. No, we look to him, and we look to him and say, Lord, give us the wisdom to know how to have the best relationship with you I possibly can and how that can bleed over into other relationships. You see, we need to wise up, which means to follow God's wisdom. And you are, you'll make the same relationship mistakes you've always made. Well, like I said last week, the one thing that's true of every relationship mistake you've ever made, or every bad relationship you've ever been in, is that you were there. You are part of every one of them. So we need to say, Lord, you are the source of all wisdom. You are the best relationship maker it ever ever was. I want to follow your Wisdom. Let me close with a story I read this last week. A story about a, a lady named Amanda DuLoss. Amanda DuLoss was raised uh, in church, raised in a Christian home. And one of the reasons that her parents were very, kind of a sheltered life, her parents were really protective of her because she comes from generations of alcoholics and addicts. And her parents wanted to protect them from that. Her parents were Christians. They had kind of gotten out of that lifestyle and, and uh, away from that generational thing that was going on there. And, and so they really sheltered them. And, and she wasn't around alcohol or drugs uh, hardly at all until she was 17 years old. And out with some friends, she took a drink one night, and uh, she started kind of doing that occasionally. And it wasn't all that long before she was binge drinking on the weekends. And it wasn't long before that 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 turned into almost an every week thing. And what happened was she found herself at 30 years old with two kids, multiple divorces, a string of abusive relationships, and a life that was in utter chaos. And she writes, I still could not see that the problem was me. She was bartending, making great money. And here's 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 how deceptive Satan can be. She was living with a guy. She said, my kids' needs were taken care of. I was working three jobs. I was in school, had a 4.0 in nursing school. I was on top of the world. And in a relationship that at this point in my life was extremely toxic and abusive. How can you be at the top of the world with a toxic and abusive relationship right in the middle of it? That's how, the, that's how odd we can be. At a party one night, her boyfriend offered her some cocaine. And from that point, it really spiraled down. Uh, for the next three years, it just really got out of control, so much so that she flunked out of, um, flunked out of she had a 4.0 in nursing school, she flunked out. She had some kids, uh, three couple kids, and um, for three years, she hardly ever showed up at a school function. She had a nanny that would come in. And uh, she just constantly lied that Danny would have to get on to school. She would go to the school programs. She would take care of all their needs. And so just really, really was a horrible time in her family until a tragedy hit. And the tragedy was with her brother, her brother whom she idolized. He said he was the gold standard for a brother. And she knew she needed to help her brother. But as she looked at her life, she's like, I have nothing to offer. I have no, no way I could be of help to anybody Where I'm at. And so she decided that she could get, she she decided the first thing I got to do is sober up. And so she decided to try to go 30 days sober. And she pulled it off. She didn't leave her apartment. She said, I knew I couldn't drive by a liquor store. I knew I couldn't drive by a bar. I knew I couldn't see any of my friends. I knew if I did any of those things, it would would tank. And so for 30 days, 30 days, at the end of that 30 days, she is on the floor, suffering withdrawals, mental anguish, mental pain. She is almost non-functional, and that's when she cried out to God. And her brother came by and gave her a book and said, I'm not saying you're an alcoholic, but here's a book on alcoholism. Uh, She showed up at a meeting, found some people that could help her. And through those people helping her and through her coming to know Christ as her personal Lord and Savior, her life was radically changed. She said, I started realizing the truth about what a horrible mother I had been and the truth almost killed me the guilt and the shame was almost more than I could stand almost more than I could bear but I started building a relationship with God and she said the more I surrendered to God the better my life seemed to get It was nothing short of the grace of God that my children weren't taken away from me for those several years. I wasn't abusive, but I was absent, emotionally neglectful. And she began to rebuild those damaged relationships, starting with God. As it says, she starts with Christ. And then through her own therapy, family therapy, children's therapy, all of that kind of stuff, her children trust her again. And she said, for the last three years, she's not missed one school thing, one appointment, not allowed to her kids. As far as she can tell, one time, as far as saying, I'll be here and not showing up. Listen to what she says. I didn't find God, get religion, or get saved in order to get sober. There was no spiritual requirement or really even one spiritual thought in my head when it all began. I just knew the elevator was going down, and if I didn't get off, it was going to be over with for me. And she talks about how her life is so much fun these days. She travels, has a good relationship with her kids, uh enjoys eating out, enjoys doing things, doesn't have that fuzzy, that, that uh, hazy fuzz in her brain from the, from the repercussions of that, it's not hung over the next day, and here's what I love about it, here's what it says, listen to what it says, I will never fully understand why God chose me, I'll give whatever I can, tell my story until my voice is gone, answer my phone, hold space for the newly sober girl right behind me. Love my kids so hard they never doubt me and pour myself into discovering any and every avenue I can use to help somebody else. Got a picture of her, you put a picture up on the on the screen. The t-shirt says, as far as the east is from the west. Right? And it, I love what she said because Of the amazing love. You can hear it in her voice. Because of the amazing love, the amazing grace that God's given me, I love what she says. I'll tell my story until my voice is gone. I'll give whatever I can. Answer my phone. Hold space for this newly sober girl behind me. Love my kids so hard they never doubt me. And pour myself in discovering any and every avenue I can use to help other people come to know Christ. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? With his bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. Wisdom in relationships. What does it look like? Well, it looks like somebody who's willing to yield, doesn't demand their own way, not stubborn. It looks like somebody who's sincere and impartial, who's genuine and real. And it looks like someone who is full of mercy, someone who rubs it out, doesn't rub it in. And that's how God's treated us. And the most important relationship in all the world is your relationship with God. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, today is a great day to give your life to Jesus. If you have, but your relationship with Christ has sort of dwindled, it's sort of, uh, you put it on the back burner, um, kind of been taking Him for granted, not really living real close to the Lord, what a great day to say, Jesus how you've loved me I want to give my love back to you and then out of that say Lord I want to share that love with somebody because I'm so satisfied in you and I'm so blessed in you and I'm so grateful for you I'll do whatever I can to pour that love into somebody else Father in Jesus name we thank you that you've Loved us the way you've loved us that you Want relationship with Us that you want relationships That we have with each other To be as good as they possibly Can be and so Lord we pray today that you Would fill our hearts with your love And help us to give it away To the people around us With heads bowed and eyes closed no one looking around Lisa begins to play softly If you want to come kneel at the altar pray You can do that if you want to Come with a friend and pray. Come with a spouse and pray and just say, oh God give us your wisdom in our relationship. God help us experience your love. you want to come and just lay down a burden at the altar this morning, do that. You want me to pray with you? You want to get saved? I'd be glad to share with you how to do that. Would you reach out to Christ today? It's our time of commitment. Would you reach out to Him as Lisa plays softly.